Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Before we talk about today's show, I would like to say thank you to all my guests who have been featured on the Gladiatrix podcast to date. I have a dream. There are 193 countries in the United Nations, and I have a dream that I can host at least one woman from every country in the world on this podcast. That is 193 countries, 193 stories, and 193 shows. So if you know of somebody who should be featured on the show, please drop me a note. I would really appreciate it. In today's episode, we're speaking with Greta Kesa. Greta is originally from Lithuania. About two and a half years ago, she decided to move to Malaysia to follow her dream. Today, she is leading an international team of 40 amazing individuals from six continents and is the head of customer experience. Most recently, she was also spotted as Marketing in Asia's 70 Rising Personalities on LinkedIn in 2020 in Malaysia. This is her story. Hi, Greta. Thank you so much for being part of this show. I'm really, really excited for you to be on here because I know a lot of people are looking forward to hearing your story. Hi, Malini. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. So um, as we talked earlier, I wanted to start off the interview with how, how you grew up. So you grew up in Lithuania, right, in a traditional household. Do you want to um, just um, talk about some of your experiences, you know, that um, shaped your upbringing? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in traditional household, and uh, I think I always have been observing how much my parents are working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, both of them had full-time jobs and then a lot of initiatives. I would say they were really entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, when they tell me that in order to uh, to help me grow and have education and everything, they have been, you know, uh, planting flowers and, uh, you know, uh, selling random things and going uh, from one place to another to, to buy some stuff and then resell it. And they were really business-like people. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the attitude I grew up with that it's very hard to earn money. Mm-hmm. And actually, it requires a lot of, you know, hard work and, and, and difficult situations. And I think in the beginning, uh, when I s- finished uh, uh, high school and then university, I was feeling like, oh, my God, it's going to be a tough job. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be challenging mm-hmm. because, of course, they grew up in different conditions. They grew up still in Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was born, Lithuania was already free, thanks God. Mm-hmm. And I had different um, opportunities. But even now, when I sometimes talk to them, they have this, oh yeah, it's easy for you now. So I'm sometimes Mm -hmm. even feeling not necessarily guilt, Mm -hmm. but this, 
yeah, it's easy, but it's not bad, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or, or we can also have this approach mm-hmm. uh, because um, I grew up with understanding that, you know, becoming an adult is very hard. And only when you become an adult, you pay taxes, you get children, then you mm-hmm. understand life. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, kind of reminded by that, of course, from the place of love, because mm-hmm. all we wanted was good for me. Mm-hmm. However, I think it, it put certain beliefs in my system as well, which I needed to rethink a lot, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. So um, would you say that most of the parents of your parents' generation think that way and most of the, of the children of parents who are like your age think the way you think? because of the, just the conditioning of, you know, the Soviet Union and how everything is really hard, but now because the markets are opened up and the world is opened up, you can do a lot more things. I, it would be very brave for me to say that, right? I don't want to generalize, but mm-hmm. thinking, let's say at least about my friends and my friends' parents, mm-hmm. I would say mostly yes. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we even have these jokes with our friends that, oh, in these times, everything was harder. Mm-hmm. So we kind of like uh, tease each other. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, even if we look from facts perspective, we mm-hmm. definitely have way more opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And our mm-hmm. generation is a bit different. So mm-hmm. I would say yes. But of course, there are different people right. or across the generations. Right. So now that's a, that's a, you know, like we say generational gap, right? The older people always think mm-hmm. differently. But for you to have to have that completely different mindset, I'm sure you must have had some role models growing up. So how did, who were they? Did you have role models and how did that shape your thinking? Yeah, I, I do believe I, I did have, and, and uh, one of the strongest ones are actually, is actually my dad. Because mm-hmm. uh, um, no matter what, he ha- has always had this attitude towards life that mm-hmm. uh, you kind of need to have fun Mm-hmm. and uh, and you know and joke around and that's okay to be like funny and silly sometimes and I think I really observed him during let's say relatives gatherings or, or just joking around and uh, I was thinking oh I actually maybe I also have this approach this that mm-hmm. life can be fun and we can play in life mm-hmm. and um, this kind of gave me I would say permission to mm-hmm. be me to be mm-hmm. fun and to be silly for which, actually, to be honest, I think I was punished in my uh, later experiences uh, at school or, or university or even students' organization. Not punished in a bad way, mm-hmm. uh, but I was asked to be normal, <laughs> which is also, I think, certain upbringing uh, to be normal. And just now, I would say a few years later, uh, a few years uh, before, I started fully owning me. Mm-hmm. And seeing that my dad's example was stronger than I thought mm-hmm. and that I should, you know, keep this freedom and this love for life, which I learned from him, mm-hmm. uh, even stronger than, than even he feels at this moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you were like, when you were in, in school and college and everything, they, people would be like, why are you so happy? Or don't you know, life is hard. Is that what you mean? When people would say be normal? Yeah. Or, or I, Yeah. Exactly. Or for example, if I would, you know, give uh, certain jokes or like just uh, talk around and, and have a lot of excitement, and, like people would be like, why is it happening? And then mm-hmm. uh, when I became, you know, I was still a student, but I was the leader of one team mm-hmm. and I would be super, um, how to say, like bubbly, etc. Mm-hmm. So I was hearing these words like, Greta, leader should be serious. Mm-hmm. And then in kindergarten, I now even remembered 
when I was like so happy and trying to catch boys around, <laughs> I was told that girls should be modest and they should mm. not be doing this. Mm-hmm. And all times is be normal, be normal, be normal mm-hmm. and come into some standards. Mm-hmm. And I started believing in this. And I think mm-hmm. that's why in, in high school years, mm-hmm. I was feeling like I'm not finding myself at all. Mm. So, um, so going into high school in college, how, 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 uh, how were those experiences? What did you study? I mean, what, what, be, what uh, kind of prompted you to, how did you decide what major to study for? Mm-hmm. Or did you, I mean, did you even have a choice? Did, did you just uh, do whatever everybody else was doing? I think I had the choice, but mm-hmm. I think my choice was also based on some subconscious decisions and, mm-hmm. uh, and environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a good student. And, uh, you know, I had good grades and I basically could select almost from everything and anything, Mm -hmm. but I had no clue. Like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of young people, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what I exactly want. Mm -hmm. And then I was choosing uh, international business studies in English Mm -hmm. because my logic was if studies are bad and I'm not learning anything, then at least I'll know some English. Mm -hmm. So that's a plus, Mm -hmm. you know, that was basically my motivation. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember at once I wanted to, to maybe study political science and everything. But then my parents said, are you sure in order to be a politician, you don't need to study that. You can actually find a cause and then fight for it. And I'm like, okay, it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's why maybe I went more into this international business. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like to be very honest and maybe even vulnerable at that time, my boyfriend was studying that. So mm-hmm. I believe this is how I also made the choice, even though I mm-hmm. thought it's my choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. environment uh, affects us <laughs> yeah yeah so now in lithuania does everybody speak english or do you have to go to study english no no not everybody speaks english but i think uh, like my generation most of us are, are speaking well okay uh, let's say from my parents my mom can understand a bit and speak but my dad doesn't speak at all so english is not like super super common okay so is that something you learn in high school or is that something you learn in university in high school, yes. It's like uh, usually it's uh, first foreign language and it starts either from second grade or from fourth grade or some parents even go extra mile and teach their kids even in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. But that's probably another <laughs> topic. Okay. So so basically English is, is a foreign language for you. And, yes. and so not every Lithuanian would know English. They would understand. They wouldn't be comfortable speaking. Definitely. So, yeah. so for you to not only uh, speak English, but be comfortable in it. Um, that, ju- that just speaks to words, how determined you were to have, you know, fun and learn a lot of new things. So you, uh, uh, you, you actually now work in Kuala Lumpur. You're not even in Lithuania, right? Yes, that's true. So um, how did you go from Lithuania to Malaysia? How did that happen? What was that story? Okay, so there is, uh, there is this company called Mind Valley mm-hmm. that I got to know about in my student years when I was part of an organization, youth organization called ISIC. Mm-hmm. Actually, it saved my student years because I didn't like my studies at all. Mm-hmm. And I really, I was even thinking to quit it, etc. But I was so involved in this volunteering uh, activities. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned all my skills there. I made friends. I found my now husband there mm-hmm. and um, it really shaped me as personality mm-hmm. and in one of the conferences when I was leading local chapter uh, we were going to international conferences mm-hmm. and this company uh, 
was there as well, representatives of Mind Valley. Mm-hmm. And I've heard about them and I thought, damn, this, re- this is really amazing. This sounds so, so cool. Such a good place to work. Mm-hmm. It literally, from the culture perspective, seemed like uh, like this Isaac organization. Mm-hmm. Just the plus this was that you're getting paid for it. So how how awesome it is! Mm-hmm. So what is but what then, is Isaac? Mm-hmm. What is Isaac? So Isaac is a youth nonprofit organization which aims to to bring peace and humankind potential mm-hmm. to the world. Okay. And it was actually established after Second World War when countries were divided. And uh, the main thing was exchanges between countries, etc. So it mm-hmm. has a lot of social projects and it develops, I think, leadership skills. Because as an example, when I was, I think, only 21, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. I was leading a local chapter of 40 plus people. Mm-hmm. And I needed to ensure that we have good finance flow, uh, recruitment, etc. So these organizations, and especially this organization for me, it shaped me a lot. Because mm-hmm. it shifted my understanding, mm-hmm. understanding. It showed me the world. It showed me a lot of different uh, people. You know this diversity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and the love for impact, which mm-hmm. I think I still have. That it's not only us mm-hmm. who we can develop, but also the whole world. So mm-hmm. Isaac is all about that. Mm-hmm. So um, so from because you because you were part of this organization, you were able to travel and you were um, you went for international conferences. And you happened to, did you meet somebody from my Valley? Was, was there somebody from your friends who talked about it? What happened after that? Yeah, so they were making presentation, people from Mind Valley, but I was too scared to approach them because I mm-hmm. thought this job is too cool for me. And I thought um, it's even impossible. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. too good to be true. Maybe for others, yes, but mm-hmm. I, I downgraded myself. Like I think sometimes mm-hmm. I have been doing along the journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I'm not alone doing this and just deciding, you know, for the world that I'm not good enough mm-hmm. in this case. Mm-hmm. And, and then the life, life was going on. I found my dream job in Lithuania at that time as a trainer in big logistics company. And I forgot about Mind Valley. Mm-hmm. But um, when me and my husband, we went on our dream honeymoon to the U.S., um, I noticed that two of my friends are sharing about Mind Valley, And mm-hmm. one of them were, was there for one year and mm-hmm. another one for a few months. Mm-hmm. And I contacted them, had the call and asked, how is it? And then I thought, if they can do it, maybe I can also try. So they were my inspiration for mm-hmm. dreams to come as reality. Mm-hmm. And um, then I applied for entry role for, I would say, you know, the most entry role for, for customer support agent. Mm-hmm. And I got it, uh, even though I have to say that some people were challenging that and saying, Greta, you're leading training to, you know, more than 1,000 people in huge logistics company to even board members, people twice of your age. And you know, you have this amazing role and now you're going to write emails. Mm-hmm. So I, I was challenged, you mm-hmm. know, for my mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. It was, it was not easy. <laughs> so, um, so you, uh, you were... Um, you'd already gotten married, you were on your honeymoon when you heard about the position and then so, or you heard about your friends applying there. And so you had applied as well. Yes. And so oh, you, when, you, when you got back to Lithuania after your honeymoon, what did you do? So we actually, we were just waiting for, for results because uh, I applied and when we reached Lithuania, I was still in selection process mm-hmm. and we were thinking, what do we do now? So we actually went unemployed because before our honeymoon, we quit our jobs 
just to, you know, pursue our dreams. Oh, and wow. we were these, yeah, it was like, we were this young couple who thought that we we're going to stay in the U.S. longer mm -hmm. uh, because our apartment was rented. We had no more jobs, nothing. And we we're like, okay, we're coming back. What's now? So it was funny period, but we got officially unemployed. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, we applied for that um, until we get some clarity on, on Mind Valley offer. Mm -hmm. And I remember me and my husband sitting at home at his parents' home, I think, mm -hmm. and saying, okay, look, no matter how the results go, mm -hmm. let's just buy one way ticket to Asia anyway. Mm -hmm. And let's see what world, you know, can give us. Mm -hmm. So we agreed on that. Um, but, but thankfully... A few months after I got the job and we started planning this, uh, this journey mm -hmm. after being a few months unemployed and, and, you know, just having fun with other projects as well. So, so you were, um, so you were in Lithuania until you, uh, until you got the job. Yes. Okay. So uh, is your husband also in Mind Valley or is he doing something else? No, he is, um, he's freelancing. He's doing affiliate marketing and, mm -hmm. uh, technological gadgets reviews and, okay. and I'm super happy because he converted his hobby into the job along okay. the way. Okay. So you guys had already uh, discussed this probably before you got married. I'm sure everybody around you, especially your parents must have been like, what <laughs> is wrong with them? They are getting married and they're actually giving up their jobs and then they're going to be traveling. Do they have any, what is I'm sure they must have said stuff like that. No. Um, Yes, but not out loud that much because they already knew me uh -huh. <laughs> and that, you know, anywhere I will go my way. And um, I, I think, you know, the thing is that my parents couldn't travel that much in their years, right? We talked mm -hmm. about this different mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. And my parents, when I was selecting studies, they actually wanted for me to study abroad because mm -hmm. they didn't have this opportunity. And I was going against that. And I said, I will never live abroad aha, uh -huh. look where I'm now. <laughs> because I wanted to go against this. And I think them hearing that we want to try, you know, to go with one-way ticket to the US for crazy honeymoon, or we are thinking about Asia, mm -hmm. it excited them, at least my parents. Of course, mm -hmm. they had this, uh, you know, safety questions, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but they knew that we are together mm -hmm. and they were two of us. Probably right. if I You're was alone. doing that yeah. alone, that right. would be a different story. Right, 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 right. So, um, so once you found out that you were um, accepted for the position, then you what packed up your bags and just moved. Yeah, <laughs> actually, bags were kind of packed from the oh. U.S. trip. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so we just needed, you know, just to I don't know, repack them uh, okay. and take uh, take out warm clothes because Malaysia is so hot all year round. Okay, and yeah, we we just we just moved just like that. Wow. So what was it like landing in Malaysia? You know, it's so different mm -hmm. from, you've never been, you had never been there before, right? No, no. And Lithuania is very, very different from Malaysia. You know, the people, mm -hmm. the language, the clothes, everything, uh, the weather, the culture, everything is so different. So what, how, how did you find it when you first landed there? <laughs> Humid, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> and you're so right, uh, Malini, you're so right. It was so different. But you know, interesting thing with us, I don't know if that's good or bad, but we didn't, um, we didn't make much of research. Mm -hmm. And when we just ordered uh, like a taxi to go mm -hmm. to our apartment, mm -hmm. we realized that Malaysia is using other side of the road to drive. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and then I remember we were when we were still at home and packing and my parents were asking about uh, what is the government there and, you know, religion, all these things. And I'm like, mom, I don't know. I'll go and I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So we were not putting much into theoretical knowledge building. Mm-hmm. We kind of, you know, looked at each other and uh, starting in honeymoon, we started saying this word to each other, nosotros, mm-hmm. which we don't sp- speak Spanish, but I think it means yes. we. We. something like that yes. yeah no, so and and we tell it to each other with my husband every time when something happens we're like no matter what nosotros like mm-hmm. that we're together you know mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. both of us that's so, so this cool. is how mm-hmm. this is how we just lived and you know something was happening in malaysia and then they of course we had culture shocks we had culture shocks that we need to shower mm-hmm. above the toilet seat because this is how some toilets in all their buildings are built oh. and there's a toilet seat and then shower is almost above so your bathroom is always flooded with <laughs> with water oh my goodness it was weird very weird but but it's okay because we were together so <laughs> we laughed about it a lot so so now you've been in malaysia for how long almost two and a half years okay and 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 so um if somebody if somebody else is doing the same thing that you were doing you know landing in in asia or malaysia for the first time what would you tell them? Hmm. Embrace the weather for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would tell them to be relaxed because actually, especially Malaysia is so comfortable and friendly for foreigners. Mm-hmm. It even, you know, it, it doesn't use the word immigrants. Like, mm-hmm. let's say if I now I, I would go to London, you know, mm-hmm. UK and, and have a job, they would call me immigrant. Mm-hmm. And Malaysia calls us expats, expatriates. Ah, uh-huh. And even this shows, I, I think, like kind of more respect or, or understanding. And people are curious to know more about you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's positive racism. I have mm-hmm. this term. I, I don't know <laughs> if, if that's official term or not, which is still racism. That, that's an oxymoron because it's opposites, yeah. right? The positive and racism kind of don't go together in the same sentence, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know, because I'm, I'm not suffering from that. Right. You know, like they, they are curious about me, but I still think this comes from the racism and maybe from the history that, you know, a white person, I don't know, comes to my land and maybe it's good, mm-hmm. which you know, I, I can use it or I can sometimes think that, damn it, I'm not feeling comfortable. I want us to be equal. You know, mm-hmm. I want us to, to cooperate together and not be seen as, as somehow different. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, Malaysia is super good because uh, everywhere people speak English. Okay. And even menus and, and shops and everything is in English. So it's so comfortable for a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so friendly. Uh, they're so welcoming mm-hmm. that um, I'm really happy to call Malaysia my second home, actually. That's really cool. And I, I know there's a, um, a larger population of Muslims in Malaysia. So did you, do you have any issues with, you know, you not being Muslim? There's no such issue there? No, not at all. Because at least in Kuala Lumpur... Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of um, like there are a lot of different ethnic groups, right? Like okay. a lot of Indians, a lot of uh, Malaysian Chinese, and mm-hmm. a lot of Malays, and they all have different religions. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a beauty how this country, or at least like Kuala Lumpur, mm-hmm. can hold the space for everyone. And and in metro stations, you can see uh, different clothing, you know, mm-hmm. from being covered uh, from you know head to toes mm-hmm. to, to being just in short sleeves and super short shorts. Mm-hmm. And 
they all just smile at each other and they all fit. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish the whole world was like that. Mm -hmm. Because at least being in that, you feel that support and this acceptance of each other. I don't know how politically they are, mm -hmm. right? I'm not going right. into this. Right, right, but right. in everyday, everyday life, mm -hmm. I felt like we are one. And that was so powerful. So, so you don't feel threatened when you're there, even though you are not from there. So you feel very welcomed and okay, and people are very friendly. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's, that's very amazing. cool. Yeah. So you, um, so you know, you've been there about two and a half years and, um, and I did see one of your posts and you had talked about uh, a training that you had gone to, you know, that, that supports uh, and encourages, empowers women. Uh, is it a, a training by Google? Did you want to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that? Sure, sure. So one of my friends actually uh, from Isaac Times, mm -hmm. uh, I, as I said, like a big network, she's working in Google and, and she was writing to me one day and said, hey, look, we have this amazing initiative, which is called I Am Remarkable. It's mm -hmm. an initiative by Google. And uh, this is like a workshop, a seminar for underrepresented uh, groups, mm -hmm. uh, mostly women, mm -hmm. or, or it can be also in terms of uh, race, age, or anything else in the workplace. Mm -hmm. and, and we have been discussing uh, about the role of these un underrepresented groups in workplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were sharing a lot of statistics. And and we were coming very vulnerable in a way and discussing that women in the workplace usually thinks a bit less mm -hmm. of herself than mm -hmm. she actually is. Mm -hmm. And naturally, most of the men, not necessarily they think more, but they, they know what they are capable of and mm -hmm. they are way more confident. Mm -hmm. And the fact that actually shocked me the most is that both men and women don't like women that stand out. Mm -hmm. according to a lot of researches. Mm -hmm. And at first I was thinking, how is it possible? Mm -hmm. But then, um, and this is super, I'm not proud of that at all, but that's a reality. I started thinking of any situations at my work and Mind Valley, even though we're super supportive there, we're mm -hmm. all from all around the world and we really love each other. Mm -hmm. But the only times when I was feeling a bit irritated by someone speaking up or talking louder or, or you know, expressing themselves more, was about other women, mm. never about men. Mm -hmm. And I was just feeling so ashamed of myself mm -hmm. that I think I, I am educated. I'm mm. pretty intelligent. I work on myself in terms of personal growth, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not ideal, but I'm, I'm aware mm -hmm. of the world. Mm -hmm. And still, I had those biases without even knowing mm -hmm. and judging my fellow amazing, you know, female, mm -hmm. <laughs> smart women. Mm -hmm just because I can't even explain it. And mm -hmm. it was a wake up call for me mm -hmm. um, that maybe I'm not supporting my, my women that much as I could. And maybe mm -hmm. I'm not standing up for them sometimes in meetings when a man, for example, interrupts, you know, someone. Mm -hmm. So, so that was a very powerful experience for me to understand. So uh, coming out of that uh, training um, or, or that coach uh, coaching program, um, I'm remarkable. That's basically supporting other women. So what is the one thing that you would bring to your workplace now that you've gone into that training, now that you've had that training? Um, I think I, I am bringing that kind of like starting with my team. Mm -hmm. So let's say now we're having performance reviews mm -hmm. uh, by, by yearly performance reviews. And I'm emphasizing to everyone, to both men and women, Mm -hmm. uh, that they need to speak loudly about their achievements mm -hmm. 
And I even gave, you know, a five minutes monologue, maybe. Mm-hmm. How is it crucial for them to be proud? And uh, when they will have a meeting with me telling what they have done and achieved in the past six months, mm-hmm. that they would be overly excited, that they would own it, you know, that they mm-hmm. would have it. And uh, when I'm having these with women as well, I- I'm very careful in observing our- whether they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, I'm like, I want more passion from you. Like, just be, you know, own it, be happy. And then I see how their face changes mm-hmm. because sometimes we kind of wait for permission mm-hmm. to be happy about what we accomplished. Mm-hmm. And the same happens to me. Um, so encouraging each other to speak about what we have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the the main step. And, and maybe another one, like very shortly, if I may share. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I started sitting down and analyzing uh, any people, if they a bit trigger me at work because mm-hmm. I'm not still at Zen, you know, peaceful mm-hmm. and right, everything. Right. Mm-hmm. things happen. Mm-hmm. And I started writing down why. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of those people were actually women, which again, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bad about it, but mm-hmm. I'm aware at least. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking differently. I started looking at them as simply humans mm-hmm. who have good intentions and who are just trying their best mm-hmm. to, to make the impact to the world and to themselves. Mm-hmm. And this shifted enormously my understanding. You know? That's awesome. That is, that, is really, that is really powerful, right? When you start looking at people from a different angle, it changes how you look at the world. That, that's really cool. So um, you yeah, started, you, you said you started as like in customer service. What do you, or in customer support, what do you do now? Because you said you had uh, performance reviews that you have to do. So how many people do you lead? Yeah. So um, directly, I would say I lead around uh, 10 people now because uh, some of them are changing teams. Okay. And indirectly, I'm responsible for the department of almost 40 people. Okay. So funny enough, even though I was sure, you know, how we're sure with ourselves. Yes. That I'm going to come to this place, come to customer support, be there three to four months Mm -hmm. and moved to another team because I had nothing related to customer support. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things happened that actually after five and a half months, Mm -hmm. um, I was offered to apply for the heads role. Mm -hmm. And uh, surprisingly, to my surprise, I got it, Mm -hmm. even though I felt it's impossible. And the first when I got about it, I just laughed. You Mm -hmm. know, when when people said, oh, Greta, maybe you can consider applying. Mm -hmm. But here I am now for almost two years leading this department and Mm -hmm. going from role to role. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm very happy actually working with customers. Very happy. It's challenging, but Mm -hmm. it's rewarding. That's that's awesome. So you you've accomplished so much in in two and a half years that you were there. So your dreams are all coming together. They're all coming true. Actually, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cool. So you, I know you talked about, you said you all, you have a lot of passion projects, right? So you figured, I mean, it's a huge step, right? It's very brave. Um, you know, you leave everything behind, pack your bags and travel half across the world to a country that you did not even research, you know, complete different weather, different food, it's, you know, far away from home. And even if it was not the popular choice, but it was like, as if it was calling you, right? Say, like, come here, come, come, yeah. come. So, um, and, and now you've been there for almost two and a half years and now you call that your second home. So what are some of the other passion projects that you have? Mm-hmm. 
I actually, I'm, I'm thankful to you of summarizing it because I just got a bit, you know, uh, back in time and I thought about everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it actually, it actually sounds amazing because let's say I, I really changed um, a lot. And when I was still at, at, um, at home in Lithuania, I was participating in different projects in, let's say, public speaking clubs, etc. But when I came here, I kind of stopped everything because that was too much of a change. Mm-hmm. And only, you know, a few months back, maybe half year back, I starting, started putting my dreams into actions. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, one more lesson for me that I have always wanted to embrace those passion projects and to do more besides my job. Mm-hmm. But I was always afraid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always had this syndrome of who am I mm-hmm. to do something? Mm-hmm. And then when somewhere I read or I listened to the speech, I don't remember now, but somebody said, who are you not to do this? Mm. Okay. It, it just shaked me so much because mm-hmm. we might think, you know, we're not good enough, etc. but who are we not to do it? Who right. are we not to take this step? Who are we not to inspire other people and why mm-hmm. we are at the end of the day, so selfish, protecting our affairs and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, insecurities. Mm -hmm. So, so this really changed my perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the biggest journey and the biggest passion project is uh, related to leadership. And that's why I started writing on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Because I really believe in, um, in servant leadership and vulnerable leadership in, Mm -hmm. uh, in this honest care and, and human touch at work. And mm-hmm. I believe this is how we can really support each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I have always been like this. And now I decided to share. I have been, sorry for, for the word, but shit leader mm-hmm. uh, back in ISAC times in organization. I was calling my team names. I was taking care only on numbers. And I even had nickname from mm-hmm. my, my interns who are coming from other countries. Mm-hmm. And my nickname was the name of one dictator. Ooh, ooh. Okay. <laughs> which uh at that time we laughed about it but i think now i want to cry how bad i was mm-hmm. and and this journey my own journey showing that actually people can change okay. and people can improve and you and the organization can reach way more goals and mm-hmm. this well-being and this culture and the atmosphere when uh, you're actually investing in proper leadership mm-hmm. so that's why it's one of my you know, passion projects to write on LinkedIn and then sometimes to do my, my webinars and the future, I hope to mm-hmm. have some programs or even coach other leaders, mm-hmm. but that's just, you know, starting, starting points. Mm-hmm. So and, we, um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, no. So basically um, positivity, uh, encouragement, um, uh, when you have, uh, when you pull, push your, uh, push your people up and make them more empowered, you get a lot more done, right? Yeah, indeed. Your, your leadership, when you're looking at leaders, leaders, you build other leaders. You don't, you're not putting other people down. So that's what yeah. you're, you're, you're doing. Um, so that's, that's really incredible. I, I did see some of your posts on LinkedIn uh, and I started reading that. That was, that was really neat. Um, so you, the other interesting thing when we talked about is you also do Indian dance. <laughs> yes, I do. Is that something you started after you went to Kuala Lumpur? Yeah, I think one year after I, I landed in Kuala Lumpur, one of my colleagues told me about this and mm-hmm. I was looking for places to dance again. 
because mm -hmm. I was dancing in my childhood and teenage years. And then they said, oh, we're having this group of people who are dancing Bollywood and we are going to perform somewhere. So mm -hmm. that's why you don't need to pay for classes. And then if you go to performances, you can even get paid. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, being Lithuanian in Malaysia, mm -hmm. I started <laughs> dancing Indian dances, Bollywood dances. And I love it. It's hard. It's very hard. It's very not natural for me. Mm -hmm. But I have had some, some performances and it really makes me so, so happy. So wait, did you do Bollywood dance even in Lithuania? No, no. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Okay. So, so when you moved to Malaysia is when you started. So I, I did not realize that Bollywood was that, that popular over there, but that's awesome to hear that you're actually enjoying dance. That's really cool. So you've had a few performances. So how long since you, so about a, about a year, year and a half since you started dancing yeah, and performing? Yeah, approximately like that. Yes. Of course, now it's like, you know, with coronavirus and everything, yeah, yeah. everything is stopped. Right. But yeah, I've had maybe six, seven performances. So, but it's That's very, really very nice. cool. To dress up and, and you know, yeah. spread the joy. Yes. Yes. Love makes the world go round. Isn't exactly. that what we're seeing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had one last question. So when you look at your wild and crazy journey that you've had so far, I mean, you're like, you know, you have a law. There's so much more to accomplish in the world, right? There's so much to do. Mm -hmm. But even, even in the journey that you've had so far, looking back, is there anything that you would have, um, you know, changed about yourself? Or is there knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have told your younger self mm -hmm. that you That's didn't? That's a very powerful question. <laughs> I think, yeah, there are a few things, maybe mostly two. Mm -hmm. uh, one is uh, the one that I started uh, just recently looking at the mirror and um, saying to myself that I love myself and how beautiful I am, etc. Mm -hmm. And I feel how much more acceptance I have now Mm -hmm. uh, let's say now I'm 29 years old and how insecure I felt, uh, even five years ago, or I'm not even talking about teenage years. Mm -hmm. So this love for myself was never, never strongly there because I thought I'm not beautiful enough. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not achieving enough mm -hmm. and I was very critical about myself. But now when I started accepting myself, I'm just having the best time mm -hmm. <laughs> with myself. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe one advice to younger me would be, you know, just love yourself and be there for yourself and put your well-being first. Because mm -hmm. that's, you know, the only person you have next to yourself 24-7. Mm -hmm. And if this person is cherished and loved and accepted and being reminded by yourself mm -hmm. that this person is amazing, I think it can build so much confidence and happiness in your heart. That is awesome. You know, for someone so young, you have, you, you speak like an old, like a wise, a very wise person. You must be an old soul. I think. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, but you know, uh, just like one more thing, I guess is, um, yeah. When you asked about passion projects, I actually forgot to mention that. But another thing would be, remember when I told what I learned from my dad, Mm -hmm. about this authenticity and joy and having fun. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really believe that happiness is a choice. Yes. And uh, one more thing would be to actually cherish every moment and not to wait for any, uh, you know, tragic incident so that you start living mm -hmm. because sometimes this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's why also I decided, uh, which is super, again, vulnerable for me, but I, I started piloting uh, my happiness pro 
program project mm -hmm. i don't know in terms of coaching and everything mm -hmm. because i believe that my ultimate goal is now like the biggest one is to be happy whatever i'm doing okay and i believe if all of us invest more in doing what makes us happy mm -hmm. then then it's better for us and better for the world mm -hmm. so that would also be you know again uh, advice for younger me Mm -hmm. to just be authentic self be an apologetic self mm -hmm. and and shine the light that that the universe gave to us that is awesome thank you so much Greta. that is and that is so awesome to hear and i'm sure all the other people listening will also be will also gain from that knowledge so thank you so much for being on the show i really appreciate it thank you for inviting me and thank you for your questions you're very welcome thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.